Hi everyone, welcome to episode 5 of Did You Watch The Race? The podcast where we'll be looking at the world of Formula 1 from the dual perspective of both a new fan and a long-time viewer. Unfortunately, Colm isn't around this week to join us due to some foreseen circumstances, but thankfully we have our hardworking producer with us, Gemma. Hello everyone. Would you like to introduce yourself? So I'm Gemma. I, like Colm, have also been watching for four years, so I am a relatively new F1 fan, but delighted to be here in place of Colm. This week on the podcast, we'll be attempting to dissect the chaos that was the Australian Grand Prix. And Formula Pun has returned, so we'll be taking a rattle through that later. But without further ado, let's get this show on the road. So, did you watch the race? I did. I got up at 5.59 in the morning and I watched it. (laughs) Yeah, it's always a tough race to get up for. It's not a tough race to get up for. It's a tough race to stay awake for because you don't know how you need to like a little bit of time beforehand to get woken up. But if you do that, then you fall asleep before it starts. Yeah. Yeah. It's also I found the Australian Grand Prix is a fantastic way to remind yourself how many of your friends have moved abroad. I could have just watched the race on my Instagram story. (laughs) I had every angle of it from different people. Um, See, I have no idea where to start with this race. There was so much happening. Some of it good, some of it bad. Uh, I suppose to start at the beginning. Always a good place to start. Russell had a great start. A really good start. I actually was sad for him that he didn't get further. Into the... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Russell had a great... I don't know, did Russell and Hamilton have a great start or Max just had a very poor start for by his standards? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It's really hit and miss with Max. Like, he either is straight off the bat or if he isn't on the ball, it just goes downhill very, very quickly for him. Something I realised watching the start of race about Max, though, it now terrifies me. From 2021, he was always very brash in how he approached challenges and approached defending other drivers trying to overtake him. I was always looking at it thinking, oh, once he gets that champion's mentality of, I don't, I'm not going to win the championship in this corner, but I could lose this race in this corner which he did with Hamilton coming into turn three this weekend he kind of backed out a little bit gave out about Hamilton led him through knowing he'd get back at him later in the race so him adding that level of experience to his driving as fast as he always was adding that kind of champion's mentality to his racecraft is going to make it almost impossible I think for the rest of the grid for the next few years especially when you tie that with the Red Bull car yeah he can see not only can he see the short term now he can kind of his strategy his long term strategy is a lot better and he's not getting as flustered or frustrated straight off the bat because he knows down the line that like he's going to be able to overtake realistically exactly yeah (laughs) Yeah. it it really reminded me of in 2021 I think it was Imola where he went barreling down the inside of Hamilton and Hamilton had to bail out into the first turn and it was a case of that either you let me through or we both go out and it was that in reverse so it's interesting seeing that from Hamilton's side as well where he he know he's in the opposite state now whereas if he has one good opportunity in a race he has to take it because he has to just grab whatever race wins he can pick up this season so it's been a very interesting flip but yeah I think that's it's good to see Max taking that on board it's terrible for everyone else yeah it's it's yeah if you're a max fan you'll be delighted otherwise yeah it's yeah there's the temptation i think already to to pack in the you know excitement of who's going to win the championship because we you know i don't even the drivers themselves they know that they they can't go yeah. against the red bull which is even as a max fan myself it can be very frustrating because you obviously you still want to see competition yeah exactly in, in, in it now i mean having alonso there I mean I was looking at the driver standings earlier and the fact even that we have obviously the two rebels in one and two and then having Alonso's name that's genuinely quite exciting to have yeah someone who isn't a Mercedes or a rebel or a Ferrari the race for third place is going to be more entertaining this year than first or second yeah 100% 100% we've had Perez 2.0 come and gone in the space of (laughs) two weeks he had an absolute 
stinker in qualifying and then he got on reasonably well in the race but like that's not the first time now he's started back the grid and done relatively well yeah and again he's in a rocket ship he's he's yeah. always going to get fairly far up the grid and it did add to the entertainment level of the race for sure yeah it, it just means that he's all we're already looking at needing some max dnf zooms to bring checo into it. if checo doesn't get a bit of a lead i think in the next few races it's just going to get away from him i don't i don't see once max gets into the swing of things i don't see checo really challenging him from behind i think he'll need to be ahead and just keep ahead that's the only way he'll get doing it what's your opinion on the pressure that checo has been put under now to perform at the level of not better than max because there seems to be conflicting narratives from the red bull camp and from christian himself saying that he obviously wants checo to be as good as max and he you know he needs him to improve but do we not think from the outside that it looks like the checo was brought on specifically to be a number two driver so where does that put checo or what do you think yeah. is asked of him christian is hardly gonna say oh good job checo you know you're a few seconds behind max you know so he has to give him something to aim for mm. he's not going to beat him race by race he might beat him over the course of a season if max gets bad luck if checo can play the political side of it but he's just not as good so he needs to use everything else in his wheelhouse it's similar to rosberg hamilton in 2016 where Rosberg basically put his entire life on pause to try and beat Hamilton. He'd lost him for the last three seasons. He'd lost the world title to him for the last two seasons. Max is arguably as good, if not better, than Hamilton in his prime. So what what can Checo do? Where can he go to to get that? I find it hard to see that happening because even in that case where Max is so much more loved in the Red Bull team, at the time in Mercedes, it was kind of equal enough between Hamilton and Rosberg. They were both relatively liked in it. Mm. This is such a different... Red, Red Bull has always had such a different dynamic, so... Yeah, I know we're three races in, but I, I'm struggling to see, outside of bad luck for Max, what Checo can do for going forward. It is unfortunate for him, for sure. But you know what? You know what? He's scoring points. It's more than some of the other drivers can say at this point. He will, yeah. Look, and him being teammates at Max and Max being possibly one of the best drivers ever doesn't make Checo a bad driver. It just makes him not one of the best drivers ever, you know? Yeah. You look at Hamilton, Alonso, Schumacher, Vettel... Verstappen of the last 15-20 years they were just always that cut above and it's where they're 101% everyone else is 100% and they just have that one last little thing and it's why everyone hates them when they're doing well because (laughs) you don't win a championship being friends with somebody you know you have to do everything in your power and sometimes that's not what people like. I was going to say it's a very selfish sport so if you want to be the 101% as you said you have to put yourself in every aspect of your life ahead of everyone else. We had our first DNF, who was unsurprisingly Leclerc, who spun out on turn three. Oh, I don't even know how to express the pain at this point. Yeah, like. the, the poor guy. And it it wasn't even really either driver's fault. I think Leclerc was more at fault for it. He turned into Stroll. There was nowhere really for Stroll to go. Yeah. But yeah, it was one of those moves out of desperation. He didn't want to slip back any further. He was looking ahead of him, trying to get as far up as he could because he knew that this was the point to do it and just completely misjudged it and ended up facing into a peloton of cars coming towards him. Yeah, it just goes from bad to worse to Leclerc. (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's there's rock bottom and then there's Leclerc underneath yeah I find his post-race interviews really interesting because for a long time now he doesn't even like I always look at the light behind his eyes almost in these interviews because they're because it was slowly dying over last year's season it kind of dimmed you know progressively as the championship slipped through his fingers and this year there's not even a light to begin with like no yeah it's tough to watch it's tough 
he's watching Max streak off into the distance and he's streaking off into the gravel. You know, it's it's very hard for him to yeah. to look at that at this point in his career. And, and he that, is. He's talented. Like, he has the talent. Like, of, of the current crop, there's him, Max and George. And yeah. then I think not far behind them, you have Lando. And then maybe not far behind him, you have the rest <laughs> <laughs> the other semi-decent people yeah. yeah but he's looking at himself saying why am i winning world titles you and know? he should be asking himself that yeah, yeah it's it's uh <laughs> there is no words to describe it's a learning oh. curve all right and then does that i actually can't remember because there are so many red flags that's not a red flag no see that instant brought out the first safety car and then off that restart we've seen russell hamilton and max then kind of pulling out a bit from the field but the Mercs did quite well to stay ahead of Max I think they were unfortunate both of them it was a case where if they had to stay together for the race I think they would have had a chance against Max once they got split up I could see why they pitted Mm. at the time but once they got split up I think they were goosed from that point on there was no way one of them was holding off Max but it was interesting to see the the team politics between Russell Hamilton and Mercedes. Obviously, Russell oh, getting yeah. onto the radio saying, "Oh, why are we racing? You know, I, I'm pushing. Why is he pushing me?" Russell is thinking of that this early in the season. I think he sees this as his season to cement himself as Merck's future driver. Yeah, and I think in that in that instance in particular, when he was uh, George was on the radio complaining that obviously he's pushing and Hamilton's pushing him. I do think in defense of Hamilton, he was in a very difficult position because he had Max right up behind him. Like yeah. he couldn't not push because the, the Max capacity of the Mercedes is maybe only 80% of the Red Bull capacity. He had no other choice other than to let him pass, which I yeah. don't think would have been wise. So I, well, I, think, I think it would have ended up in the same scenario if they had to let yeah. Hamilton pass. Russell would have been up Hamilton's hole trying to you know yeah. say why why aren't you letting me buy so yeah no they were both in the right in terms of what they were looking for but it was just interesting to see and Mercedes are very apprehensive of doing that kind of thing especially this early in the season I think we've mentioned this a couple of times Mercedes don't really do team orders unless there's a very obvious reason to do it if well, there's they a, say a massive they don't do team orders but they haven't really over the over the years other than when either the championship is kind of sewn up at this point in terms mm. of between the two drivers and they're racing somebody outside it or if there's a massive strategy diff they will do it then I'd love to be behind the doors in their dynamic I really I don't now obviously we get a very very snapshot view of the relationships between the drivers and between the principals and the, even within the teams themselves but I would love to know what is going on between them because personally I don't see any kind of like friendly or friendliness isn't really fair I don't see the camaraderie camaraderie is exactly what I'm thinking yeah I really don't think if it's there it's not being shown and the marketing team are definitely not pushing them to be in even marketing material together which I find really interesting yeah I think it's similar to like I said McLaren where I think you forget that at the end of the day there's about what 15 years between Mm, Hamilton and Russell or 14 years they're very different people you know yeah so I think there's that side of it and even just in terms of their careers they're in completely opposite ends of their careers you know in terms of Hamilton's kind of been through it all this is 17th season in the sport Russell's into his fourth fifth I think there's just that there's no middle ground for them whereas say with Lando and Sainz that time they're only a couple of years apart they come into the sport at a similar time you know there's a, na- a much more natural kind of flow between them. But I, do- I don't necessarily think that translates to onto the track. I think, no. if anything, it's nearly the opposite, where when there's such a difference, they're more likely to be honest with each other about what's going on on track. Whereas yeah. when they're close as teammates, they're probably a bit slyer about how they would go mm, about. Yeah, it's, a very, it's almost, you know, 
saying one thing to their to their face and another thing on the track. I yeah. think there's also like fans, they really love and they really thrive and it's obviously the drive to survive effect of having personalities and they gel together. And as you said, even like Lando and Carlos, like having those like iconic duos, like people thrive off that. But yeah. it's not necessarily, as you said, good. It doesn't translate well on track and it's not necessarily good for the team. There has been very few good driver couplings who've won world titles, I put it that yeah. way. <laughs> Then we had Albon running wide. It, they weren't really clear. Jensen Buttoning and commentary had mentioned he wasn't sure if something had happened before the turn because it was very weird. How the rear axle just dropped, but it could have been a mm. harvesting issue. There's a lot of teams talking about harvesting issues over the weekend where they're basically overbraking on the rear and that's swinging it around. So that's what was happening to Perez. And when you say over harvesting, that's of the battery right okay okay yeah because they're hybrids so they need to yeah so the they'll use the engine to break the rear axle and then Mm -hmm. just the regular brakes break the front but it's that's what they're talking when they're talking about changing mapping that's what they're talking about sometimes it's the amount of engine braking versus okay okay yeah, regular braking so that was the issue it, it may it may have been that but just because the way he went off seemed very strange just the rear axle just tried to overtake him basically and he went off into the wall scatter gravel all over the track which oh. initially brought out the safety car and then we had russell and science coming in and then the red flag <laughs> Oh God! Can you even write this? Like, oh, it was... I'd say you know what when Russell got the PU failure afterwards, I'd say he was just like, yep, yeah, you know, delighted. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, that's, excellent. This is what I was expecting. So that really kind of shook things up. There was, I think, Alonso and Gasly went up massively, obviously because Sainz and Russell had pitted. Yeah. So Alonso and Gasly and Hulkenberg were all massive winners on that one. Yeah. But I think also on the Albon incident is Hulkenberg's reaction. I think it was also Gasly's. Their reaction was incredibly fast. Like that could have gone south really quickly. And um, so fair play. So fair play to them if they're listening. Pierre and Nico, long time listeners of the show. Yeah. <laughs> so that brought us to our fir- yeah, first red flag, first restart. This restart, I'm trying to remember this one. D- genuinely, there's so many. So this one was the this one was, before the chaotic one. Yeah, yeah. This is the one Sunoda absolutely aced and over talk about five or six cars. And Tsunoda actually overall ran a really good race. He's been so, again, we're talking about Max's maturity. Tsunoda has gotten so mature this season. In Saudi Arabia, his defending was really solid, not just pushing people off. He was taking the defensive line when he needed to and not when he didn't. And we've seen a lot of that again this week where he was just putting the car in a really good position over and over lap again because that Alfa Tauri looks like a ball of... Yeah, it really does. Shit. Like, it's it's (laughs) making the Williams look like a Mercedes. Yeah, it's such a bad car, which is so unfortunate where he's the last couple of seasons he had decent cars and then... And this is a season almost to prove himself yeah, this um, was as his the number real, one driver. Yeah, we said at the start of the year that this was his real pissing it off the pot season yeah. for him. And he is, in fairness to him, turning up and fair play to him at the end of it. We'll discuss further, but got points at the end. But so yeah, this restart, I think th- this is where Max then, after a couple of laps, just kind of cruise past Hamilton. Oh, could that have been any easier? Like, no. Like, you know. Even I think Hamilton said it on the radio or maybe he said it after the race that it was like they're they're so fast. Like he didn't even bother defending. No, no. And then now I think Hamilton made a mistake just after Max overtaken him, but within a lap he was two and a half seconds ahead. Because I've seen people saying, Oh, like Red Bull are only ten seconds out ahead, you know, they're not that much ahead of everyone. They are. They're so, so much quicker, but they're just not bothering. They're hitting that 10 seconds and that's enough of a buffer for them. If they don't think they're going to need another pit stop or anything like that, that 10 seconds is loads of a buffer because obviously then we had Max going off 
and oh, lost yeah. lost like three seconds in that and then just cruised straight back up to 10 seconds ahead. Like, he was always comfortably at that. That's obviously the delta they've picked for the season where they're like, yeah, once we're 10 seconds ahead of second place, we don't care what we're doing. Yeah. So I would say they have easily half a second in hand on that car. That they're just not using. No, because they're... They, Why would they? Yeah, they're saving engines, saving components, saving tyres in case there's a safety car, everything. It makes so much sense. As in, actually, I have a great quote from Nicky Lauda where he says, the secret is to win going as slowly as possible. And that is basically what Red Bull are doing at the minute. That's that's actually a great quote. I yeah, like that. They, they have no need to push themselves any further. And that's even what Checo was alluding to in Saudi Arabia when he was saying, why are we pushing each other? Why are we pushing each other? And they were yeah. 30 odd seconds ahead of Everyone uh, Alonso. Yeah. Yeah. The top 10 through this whole race seemed to be really close and really consistent, uh, which was great to see. Yeah, like even from qualifying into the race, they were all keeping each other honest the whole way through it. And you could see little battles emerging. So there was obviously Hamilton, Alonso, then there was Sainz, Gasly, Stroll, and then we had Hulkenberg, Lando, and then Perez obviously plowing through the rest of them. (laughs) But the Hamilton, Alonso one was very interesting where you could see that the times kept coming up and down, up and down as they were kind of pushing each other here and there, trading jabs. Alonso would get back to within a second, a second and a half of Hamilton, and then Hamilton just ease it out again, two seconds, two and a half seconds. And it must have been so demoralising for Alonso. Every time you could see that Merck getting that little bit closer, <laughs> Hamilton just pushed it on a bit. But yeah. they were both—they both knew what they were at. They were... That was really entertaining as well, because they're just, the two of them are on another level. Like, you know, they have so much experience between them yeah. and world championships under their belt that the, the long, we were talking about the long-term strategy with Max, the long, long, long-term strategy between those two, like they're, they're 10 steps ahead and it's really interesting to see yeah they're they're constantly running every part of the race through their head as they're driving but even it's funny yeah like Alonso said after the race he was like oh you know Hamilton needs a champion he drives like a champion it's hilarious how hot and cold they blow at each other yeah they, they're always just like oh Alonso's a great guy but I fucking hate him yeah they <laughs> They really, they're, they actually, I, I think they love to hate each other. Uh, yeah, I think I think they just have massive respect for each other. And I think yeah. they both know that they can take that little bit of jibing. You know, they're, they're yeah. not, you know, neither of them is going to re- turn around and say, oh, Jesus, maybe I am shit. Alonso thinks I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah. they just have massive amount of respect for what they've both achieved in the sport. So it's, they're just having a bit of fun with it, basically. Yeah, and I think because, I mean, the likelihood, I'm sorry, Jason, of Hamilton winning another championship is low enough and I mean, for Alonso as well, like, I mean, I I think there's maybe they're in a different phase of their careers. Well, it was nice having you on the podcast for one and one <laughs> And we'll end it there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, exactly. They're, and like we were saying with the age thing, they're the older set now. They've seen a lot of drivers come and go and they're the ones that are sticking around. Like who? I think the closest to them in age is Perez and Hulk. Yeah. Hulk started in 2010, yeah, so the, he would have been the, like he's the elder is, statesman on the grid, effectively. Hulk started 2010, Perez 2011. How old is Alonso now? He's in his, he just seems older in my head because he's been around for so long. Like, he started racing when Yuki Tsunoda was born. Yeah. It's, to put that in perspective, is mind-blowing. Yeah, like, him and Hamilton's seasons in F1 are now approaching drinking age. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> crazy but yeah the pace through the field so we had Gasly basically staying in Sainz's DRS the whole way through the race he was really pushing him which is great to see for him yeah 
for for that portion of the race. Yeah, obviously, yeah, he didn't reap the rewards, but it was really nice to see Gasly at a, a solid, consistent upper midfield pace because obviously he used to be Mr. P6 and yeah. as a massive Gasly fan, it's been excruciatingly painful to see him struggle you know in p15 yeah he was keeping science honest with a bit of pace in front of him and he was keeping stroll behind him which is all really they could ask from him at this point in the season they're alpine are best of the rest you know outside of the top yeah. four so he was doing a really good job of doing what he has to do picking up places when leclerc or perez aren't there you know that's where they'll get the most of their points this season yeah yeah so then we had hulk and lando fighting which was really exciting to see considering that poor mclaren is dragging their arse across yeah we finally get to be positive <laughs> about mclaren on this it's great yeah that was one of my favorite battles though so they went into that at the end of the fourth drs zone but they went into that three or four times and you could see lando just slightly adjusting his line every time they went into it and he tried it the first time and he was like okay that's what he's done he tried it slightly differently the next time he could see okay he's pushing it there and then I, he kept learning and learning as hulk was doing it and then the last time he really hung him out and then cut back onto the inside. You could see him thinking about it the time yeah. before. So I really enjoyed that kind of racing where they're pushing the other driver where they want them to go. He was in control of what Hulkenberg was doing. Now, obviously, mm. Hulk then ran wide afterwards, but that was all down to Lando's pressure. So it was really nice to see yeah, Lando getting an opportunity to do that, first yeah. of all. Yeah. But yeah, it's a really enjoyable form of racing to watch. And maybe, you know, the McLaren being such a shitbox will be good for Lando in terms of the George Russell effect of, you know, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. having to be really, really good at driving the worst car possible. Like maybe the strategy and stuff, as you said, will we'll see more of that from him as the season goes mm. on because he has to start thinking like that because pure speed is not going to get him anywhere. Yeah. And like, I think McLaren will be delighted with how the first three races have turned out purely off the back of this one because they're planning their big upgrade package for Baku now pending delays but they've taken in a massive lump of points this weekend and they're ahead of Alpine now in the championship I don't think they had ever would have thought of this no. coming out of testing into Bahrain so they will be absolutely chuffed with how this race has went yeah and I was again looking at the driver standings earlier and in my head I was thinking about obviously Oscar Piastri was delighted with himself to get points yeah and I didn't realise that he got four points which is actually really impressive now I don't know if it was a fluke <laughs> Or, you know, but anyway, he got four points and that's that's great for him. Like, yeah. you know, it really puts both Lando and Oscar ahead of quite a significant amount of drivers, which is insane. Yeah, for for where they think they are yeah. at the minute. So hopefully their upgrade package in Baku will work out for them and we'll see, uh, see where it goes from there. Yeah. Then we hit the lap 50 or so mark and the tyres really start going off a cliff around there because obviously they pitted so early under the safety car. You could see Sainz, Gasly and Emmett start kind of dropping off a bit and then that's when we had the fateful Magnussen, I don't even want to say crash again. It was almost like a little, the tyre kissed the wall and then it just went. Exploded. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say it went around the world a little bit and uh, I'd never seen something like that. Like, it, yeah, was it was dramatic. It was a strange sort of instant where I'm not sure if it was down to the level of wear on the tyre or whatever. Or like also that that tyre would have been loaded through that corner. So as in it, the car would have been shoven to the right. So it oh, might have just right. whatever way he hit that wall. Just yep. Gone. Boosh. It was kind of satisfying to watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> to see the tyre. It was so perfectly just pop and off it went and on the first camera angle it looked really weird because you could see him from the other side so you're like oh why is he driving so weirdly and then it panned around and you're like oh <laughs> that's why he's driving he's so weirdly he's missing a tyre 
they initially brought out safety car and then again pretty quickly red flagged it afterwards they went through once i think but yeah they, they, they got the red flag out pretty quick there was obviously a lot of shrapnel over the track so i don't even think it was necessarily like carbon fiber or whatever i think it was literal pieces of the wheel that were scattered right. around the track you see as well apparently a guy got hit in the crowd with it what yeah there's a picture of a guy on reddit and there's been a couple of news articles about it that it came up and like clipped somebody in the arm see so a bit of blood running down like oh. given what i would imagine getting hit with a lump of shrapnel off a formula one wheel he didn't look that bad best case scenario that's like a cool story though so that set the events in motion then from there we'd yet another restart with two laps to go there's been a lot of giving out i don't know how you felt about the red flag there's been a lot of giving out about it that people think it was done for just drama for drama's sake i don't necessarily think so i think it's a bit of an extreme reaction if that is if it is for drama's sake i mean i know there was some grumblings from a lot of drivers on the radio um about the red flag but as you said i mean if there was shrapnel and the tires were falling off a cliff it was only a matter of time yeah someone else was gonna get a puncture exactly it becomes and it's one i think it was a catch too. i think they were damned if they did damned if they didn't yeah if they had to go ahead and keep the safety car to the end and a couple of drivers end up with punctures teams would have been given out stink if the red flag had happened and all the drivers got through and we had a great last couple of laps nobody would have cared it was the fact that it it panned out the way it did but yeah i i don't think it like they have a lot more information than we have when they're looking at this kind of thing they Mm -hmm. would have the marshals on the side of the track looking at it saying hey this is here this is here this is here all that kind of stuff and that late point in the race as well the safety car isn't as effective because the cars are so strung out yeah so they when they need to go out onto the track to clear something they need a big window they would have to wait two three laps for that train of cars to form so they'd have an opportunity to go out safely right so the gap between the first and the yeah last <laughs> there was a lot of pressure from the crowd as well so one of my mates was there was saying during that like in a safety car into the red flag the crowd was going mental shouting to get them to race get them to race oh my god i saw as well during that third red flag that they a lot of fans were trying to get out Oh, the, the track. one after, yeah. The one after, yeah. Um, and people were, I saw people, like videos of people shout, like, you know, people were yeah. either really angry and shouting at the marshals or whoever, like, to get it started, or people were shouting at, the people shouting. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, to it's stop, just, yeah. Like, chaos. So that led us to the second standing restart, which is obviously the, the faithful one of the... Oh my God. Or, ha, like, that was worth getting up for just that first turn. Yeah, exactly. We got off the line, we, actually, before we got off the line, we had Max pointing the car aggressively across at Lewis mm. there's a couple of pictures if you go look them up his front wheels are on the front of the grid box you know usually their front wings are at the front of the grid box yeah he had exactly his front wheel touching that line <laughs> pointing over. now he was it was perfectly legal he was within the box that's such a max move though like and actually a sidebar as well from this we had talked about last week in the podcast where what they'll do about the grid boxes because obviously we had the first two penalties at the start of the year they have widened the grid boxes by 20 centimetres in total, so 10 centimetres either side. Oh, okay. And they've also put a white line up the middle of the grid box that will help the drivers line up at where they're going. So they have addressed that problem. That's uh, great. Look just at a, them. a follow-on from our previous point. Growth. But yeah, so Max had the car pointed straight across at Lewis. He knew he just had to cover Lewis off. And once he got round that first kind of sequence of bends, he'd be fine. But if Hamilton would get in front from there, there's only a couple laps left. So, you know, it was the right thing to do. He was well within his rights to do it. I'd say there was a few grumblings from other drivers looking at me like, hey, yeah, why can't we do that? But he just got it exactly. It's, it's a very dangerous game to be playing as in if he was three centimetres further ahead, which in a car like that, you can't tell. You know, he probably was getting help from his team, even maybe on where he was setting up the car. Yeah. It was a very risky thing to do, but it worked out for him. And but off it didn't the line, because, you know. We uh, we didn't get further than once well, after. Yeah, so it didn't. 
So that all, all of that effort for nothing, really. We went back, yeah, because we went back to that order afterwards anyway. They got off the line, Max covered off Lewis, and then we had Sainz coming in. Sainz just came in so hot into that turn. Alonso took quite a swipe across. I don't think Sainz was expecting him to come across as much as he did because of where Hamilton and Max were. And he just understeered into the side of him, clipped his rear wheel, and set off the concertina of effects that occurred behind us. So the, the Sainz penalty, I suppose, we start with that from there. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I think, as you said, it it was a very it was a series of unfortunate events. Quite yeah. literally, I think he was at fault. Mm-hmm. I think it was still a little bit harsh. It was probably the effect, like the consequences of that little crash that led to. Yeah, well, they, see, chaos. they try and not judge penalties based off the consequences of the actions oh, is right, what they're okay. meant to do. Now it's very hard to take that. At the end of the day, the stewards are all humans. They're you know. Well, meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot confirm nor deny. Yeah, th- it's very hard to judge a penalty based purely off the actions when you know what the consequences are. You know, it, yes. if you know the outcome, it, it it will bias you. But in my head, I would look at that restart the same as on a lap one start. And they do say that they're more lenient on lap one race instance. So I think if that happened on lap one, they might not have given him a penalty. But at the end of the day, he clunked into Alonso. Alonso wasn't in the fault at all. Yeah. Yeah, you have to re your soul. could either way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He obviously, so he was pleading with them to wait until afterwards so he could talk to them, which I can understand because they're making that decision straight away. He was trying to get them basically to pause and look at the telemetry and see that he was doing everything he could to get out of the way. But look, they made that call and... That was a had, hard listen. <laughs> like oh. him pleading, oh, on the radio. My God. Yeah, I was... That was desperate. It was a man trying to reason with madness. Yeah. Uh, and he knew, you could hear in his voice as well, that he knew it wasn't going to change anything. Yeah. It was a hopeless, it was a yeah. hopeless cause. It's the, the Ferrari, I don't even want to say curse, it's just the lifestyle at this yeah. point. But then, so down the field, so that spun Alonso, it pushed Stroll around out wide, and then Stroll actually got a great run down to the third corner and then his brakes just were not there he hit the brakes and there was nothing I don't think he broke broke too late I think his brakes just had no power in them and he just basically understeered straight off the track with too much running too much speed so he got kind of fortunate in a way that the he avoided everything yeah well he did well to get around the collisions to get that far but then less fortunate was Gasly behind them that was again another tough one Uh, like I always think teammates taking each other out mostly by accident is that's pretty devastating but I think in fairness Ocon said afterwards in it that he could have been anyone I don't it wasn't a yeah it was just wrong place wrong time and it happened to be his teammate and you know what, on that, I, I thought the, just to bring the, the post-race interviews into that, I thought that was really interesting because you had Gasly who was being interviewed and he was, in his own words, he said he was so disappointed he couldn't speak about it. He was just so forlorn. He just, yeah. like signs, he didn't want to talk about it. And then it went to Akon and Akon was almost the complete opposite. He was very chilled, kind of smiling. And he said that obviously that it was a mistake on Pierre's half and that he has since apologised and it's all good and he was really surprisingly chill really saying like oh it, it shit happens and I yeah. thought that was interesting because I think that Akon and Gasly but Akon maybe in particular have gotten a talking to about maybe the relationship and maintaining yeah. happy faces yeah yeah now in fairness I think of all collisions you could possibly have with your teammate that's probably one of the best even yeah. though it, it, even though they both headed up out of it they were both 
both almost completely not at fault for it. You know, yeah. it was just, a, it was a coming together that was out of both their control effectively. So I understand why Gasly was obviously more annoyed. He had way more to lose out of that. Ocon had kind of just flown up through. Yeah. So I do think there was maybe a little bit of thoughtfulness behind his, the way he presented himself. But yeah, we shall see. Also, Ocon is probably laughing, sitting there being like, hey, I didn't do anything wrong, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go into the debrief. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and behind then we had Sergeant and DeVries coming to blows in the background. They just kind of tripped over each other and ended up in the gravel. There wasn't really a huge part of that again. It, it's a couple of rookies yeah. in a restart with two laps to go. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, you know, two toddlers fighting in the corner where it's a yeah. lot there's a lot bigger fish to fry yeah, <laughs> unfortunately yeah. so neither of them ended up with points so i think they might be the two only drivers who are pointless which which must sting i would say piastri getting four points really strong for both of them yeah look i suppose neither of them are looking really at getting points at the minute anyway so no. but but and that's i'd say that's why they were so aggressive into that that was a restart with only 16 cars they were looking at being like oh here's our chance let's go and then yeah they went yeah into the gravel they did <laughs> so then after the turn one of chaos it will be known here by us there was a red flag again and i think jason because not all of the cars made it through sector one they had to restart yeah back to where what that sector had gone through basically they hadn't yes. done enough of a lap to qualify that as a racing lap so they had to go back to what that would have been <laughs> as alonso so helpfully pointed out yeah, <laughs> while it's... still spinning <laughs> yeah it's a weird part of the rules for these kind of late race restarts and when a race gets red flagged and it can't be restarted that there's so many rules around them but they never seem to apply as they are it's like yeah. college questions on an exam when it's like oh this 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 and it'll come up but it's like completely adjacent to how it actually comes up in real life yeah and like people are giving out that the rules need to be written so precisely for it but like this is the first time an incident like this has really kind of happened like this you know it's there's so many edge cases they just need to be interpret they need to be able to interpret them well is the yeah. best way of putting it having a very definitive rule won't actually help because you can't definitively define every single scenario that could happen exactly you can't plan for every single scenario it's it's yeah. you never know what's going to happen you know in my opinion i think the FIA did the right thing with the red flag at the end and then going back that lap it was very unfortunate for the pair of alpines for sergeant i think hulk was up in p4 at that point yeah but at the end of the day the drivers are the ones who yeah. did what they did you know they that was their third restart of the day and it was the only one they made an absolute mockery of at a certain point the blame has to go to the drivers as well as everyone else you know you can't just keep blaming the fia for these kind of incidents there's 20 cars on the track sometimes not even 20 you know at the end of the day that's where it all happens and they're the ones driving it yeah so yeah. They, they probably could have held themselves a bit better now and that's where you know the fia dangling that cherry in front of them of oh here's two laps Everything else you've done up until this doesn't matter. Here's two laps to go for it. Is that dangerous? Is it not? I'm sure they'll have their review of this going forward. But we've had this before with Baku in 2021, where yeah. there's the restart with three laps to go after the Verstappen tyre incident, the one where Hamilton went straight through. So it's been done before. You know, I, I don't see why there's a big hullabaloo about it this time around. Look, the FIA are not an infallible industry and I wouldn't defend them unless I had to. <laughs> and I'm not defending them here, but I think... There are no right answers all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, it, it was all dependent on the outcome to decide what the right answer was. And this was the outcome we got. And you know what? It made for a really underwhelming finish. Yeah. And isn't that what we love to see? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, dangle that in front of us and then, boom, no, we're gone. Yeah, so we went back to that second restart order. But obviously, yeah, 
whoever had dunked it. I think it was six cars? No, four? There was 12 left at the end. Oh my God. Now they still get classified. So they weren't technically DNFs because they were so close to the end. If you oh. get within a certain distance to the end, you get classified. as. No way. So they, they were classified as plus two laps because they didn't finish out the... Oh, yeah. okay, that's interesting. I didn't so know they that. saved all of your fantasy points for not getting Oh, thank DNFs. God. Well, I mean, I think everyone's fantasy team was fucked that yeah. week, like, unfortunately. And then Max won under the safety car. So yeah. that was... A- Cruz Lan- and we had signs trying to raise. He nearly pipped 11th. He did, in fairness, he did everything he could to get that five seconds. But all the drivers would have been told, hey, he's five second penalty. Stay as close as possible. And they did that. He backed off coming into the last turn and then went for it. He Because stre- he had stretched those three seconds between Alonso and Stroll. Mm-hmm. So that's how much of a gap he had to work with. And he did everything he could wasn't enough so very unfortunate for him but it just yeah it signed off an absolutely horrid weekend for ferrari yikes yeah that's that's all i can say on that i think coming (laughs) away (laughs) coming away from it i think red bull will be look red bull are happy anyway they've built an effectively perfect car yeah there's no one part of that car that is the reason for it it's a hundred percent the reason for being so fast yeah Mm. exactly they'll be happy i think mercedes will be happy getting the podium it's just another, it's another good result for them and it, it, it keeps pushing them on as they go through to the factory. Aston Martin will be really happy given that I think Mercedes were the faster package than them this weekend, which was quite a surprise to everyone nonetheless. Hamilton even, and Russell, yeah. Even to Mercedes themselves, yeah. Yeah, they, they were really fast. <laughs> and you know what? It was nice to see them get a bit of, what was their mojo back? Because yeah. they were looking a little bit sorry, you know, the last two races. But going through um, our regular midfield, we had McLaren, which... Massive winners of that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, again, though, even that they had pace in the car pretty much all through the race. Like, they were they were solid. Lando was challenging Perez for a good few laps. He did well to keep in mind. So I think they'll as well, yeah, take good solace in that. Even Alpine, I think they'll obviously be very annoyed that they lost so many points, but they were fast, and they can at least use that. You know, we're still in this, yeah. the, this kind of finding out part of the season, so that's not the worst yeah they had a a bad stroke of luck it doesn't mean that all hope is lost for best of the rest for sure we had alpha terry is kind of the new williams yeah they just they're not having a good season they just have no pace the car is just not where it needs to be so fair play to yuki for dragging it into where he did obviously a bit of fortune but he really deserved it he ran a really good race devries I'm not massively sold on DeVries, to be honest, I think. Yeah, jury's still out on him. Yeah, he had obviously the massive race last year in Monza, but there's a reason why he was 28 coming in as a rookie, you know. Is he 28? Yeah. Wow. Not to be ageist, but... He was best of a bad lot for what Red Bull had in the the academy. So, look, I'd like to see him do well, but I would also like to see Tsunoda absolutely steamroll him. (laughs) Me too. I'd hate to see you go off the grid without having driven a decent car. Me too. I ha- I have a lot of faith in him and I, I really do want to see him fulfill his full potential. Yeah. Williams then uh, were having a good weekend up until the Albon crash. I think they'll go away and look at that. I, yeah, I'm still not convinced that was pure driver error. I don't know if there was something in the car mm. that caused it, but... Albon is driving the wheels off that yeah, car though. Yeah, he really is. And he'll be unhappy that he missed out on the points. Which yeah. is, you know, which is what you want from your drivers. You want them to be pushing on. And he was in the points, you know. Yeah, on pure race pace as well. Sergeant, is the jury still out on him? I mean, I know, again, he's coming as a rookie in a not the best car, so we can only expect so much, but... Yeah, I, I, I'd i like to see him a bit more. 
yeah. I I don't think uh, he needs a, a bit of time to adapt to the sport, to the car, everything like that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him pop up with a couple of decent results during the year. But yeah, I think we'll need to give him a bit of time. Yeah, definitely. Then we have Alfa Romeo, who are not doing so badly, not doing so well. Yeah, they're they're barely on the screen. Uh, Bottas yeah. just seem to be having a clangor of a weekend all around, really dead last almost consistently even I think in his post-race interview the interviewer had commented on the fact we hadn't seen him the whole race like he's just absolutely nowhere yeah he was just there really <laughs> he showed sure up. it's a track he likes as well he's traditionally done quite well on it Joe picking up points so is good to see I really like Joe I think he is I really like Joe too uh, of the pay drivers he actually has something about him he has a bit of he has a bit of speed he has a bit of a race craft and he's never really seen given out he's just kind of he goes in, does his job, wears fashionable clothing and leaves. Yeah, he's a good personality, I think, to back it up as well, yeah. which helps for sure. So him picking up the points is good for the team as well. Yeah, Alfa Romeo, are, they're very much in that bottom section of Williams, Alfa Tauri and themselves. Yeah, <laughs> representing. Yeah. I would love to see them do better, though. I, I don't know. I have a, I, I love a good underdog and I feel like Alfa Romeo could be the underdog if they yeah. were better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And just finish up with Haas, an absolute stinker for a weekend for Magnussen, getting beaten in qualifying, getting beaten by his teammate during the race, and then the crashing out effectively under his own steam. Not, not a great, uh, now now that we're seeing Nico get used to the car, Magnussen will be looking at this saying, oh, this weekend came at a terrible time for him. He would have wanted to be still pumping in them laps ahead of him while he has the chance, because once Hulkamer gets used to that car, he will keep pushing on. He's a good driver, but that will develop into a very interesting battle over the season. I think that'll be one of the more interesting inter-team battles we'll see. I agree. I agree because obviously they have a history to begin with and I know they've probably put it behind them but you never know these things can be so easily triggered. Yeah exactly yeah. So we're four weeks out now from our next race so we're going to be changing up on the podcast for the next few episodes. We're going to have some interviews we're going to have some different sections so hopefully you'll stick with us until we get back to Baku. This is our F pun section where we're going to be looking at some fun puns under different categories and this week it's TV shows. And we're joined by our house illustrator and pun queen, Nicole, for this week's section. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks for having me, guys. So the first one that I have here is everybody hates Chris. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you started laughing before you even started. I just love DeVries. Um, teen Toto Wolf. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I always come back to him, but Father Ted's to ban <laughs> Guan Yu wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> Bear in the big blue Alpine. Uh, National Sergiographic. Oh. oh. Seinsfeld. Yeah. 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 Another one for science after this week. Take me out. Oh. <laughs> Saved by the Russell. <laughs> Mrs. Zach Brown's boys. Yeah, Ooh, that works. Yeah, I like that. Devrices. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yes. It's always Sunoda in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh no. That's Joe Raven. Oh. Mm-hmm. Beep show. <laughs> <laughs> Magnuson P.I. Oh, I like that one. Oh, that's very good. Landolorian. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to finish it off with Hamily Guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we have some submissions from our Instagram page. So we put up questions for your puns every once in a while. So keep your eyes peeled. So in the line of show and Joe, we have, again, peep Joe. We have that's so 70s Joe. <laughs> we have grand designs. <laughs> which is really good. <laughs> or this one's very good. A place in the Magnus Sun. Ah. Genius, genius. Ted Lando, which is yeah, Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was good. Wish you were Sakir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Someone just said Ferrari strategy, dot, 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 pointless. <laughs> <laughs> no, these are just, these are even puns. These are just contextualized words. Checo's career at Red Bull, dot, 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 tipping point. Oof. Strictly come Lansing. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> it just says a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> Is it just this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> and Australia horror stories. <laughs> oh my god. Excellent. Thank you everyone who submitted their F puns. They were so enjoyable. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That'll be all from us this week, folks. Again, thanks to all our listeners who've been in touch since we've started up. It really means a lot to us. If you've enjoyed the podcast, be sure to give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. It really helps us if you leave a review there and make sure to tell all your friends and family to give us a listen. Yeah, apparently we've turned like three sets of mammies onto Formula One <laughs> since we started this. We're starting a movement. We're also on Instagram at Did You Watch The Race, which is all one word. And while you're there, be sure to check out Cody Illustrations. And big thanks to her for doing our artwork and for contributing to our F Pun segment. Next week, we're hoping to interview a very special guest and friend of the show. So keep your ears peeled for that one out. But that's going to be it. Thanks for listening. I've been Jason. I've been Gemma. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. It is because it's a double whammy of he's watching Max stroke off into the difference. Into the difference. I said none of them words. Right. <laughs> stroke off into the difference. <laughs> a popular phrase.